As your kids grow up, one of the best gifts you can give is to let them learn from their mistakes. It's not always easy, but if you're always trying to bail them out, yeah, that won't be good for the long-term maturity of that child. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Danny Huerta, who heads up our parenting department here, and we're going to hear now from Kay Wyma. She talked with Jim Daly about how many kids struggle with an entitlement uh, mentality even as they enter into adulthood, and it can be a problem. Kate, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Oh, it is always fun to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we enjoy it when you're here. Uh, <laughs> where do you think this entitlement mentality comes from? What, what started it? Is it Adam and Eve or did it come later? Well, I think if you look back just in our country alone, the entitlement really started in the 1940s um, when there was a very well-meaning pediatrician who put to the forefront the best way to raise to have your home is with a child-centric home. Okay, so it started making us pave the path for the kid instead of the kid for the path. And it's just progressively gotten worse because t it, within the United States, the American dream, we always thought the American dream was the opportunity to be able to come to this country and do whatever you want. And it's since changed a little and has turned to the words you're owed and you deserve the dream. Hmm. And when it started to do that, this issue of entitlement really began to seep in. And it's a lot of well-meaning you know, loving families that are are buying into this message from society that says you have got to prepare the path for your kid and not the kid for the path, and and thus the kid is groomed into thinking I do, you, I'm, I deserve it, I owe these kinds of things, and they don't even consider the fact that uh, they could do it themselves. I, I'm reminded of a story that I was told not long ago about a college class. Now this is a college class, not high school. And the, the young man uh, received a grade that was lower than what he thought he should have had. And he, in the middle of this class, like 200 students, big class, dials his mom on the phone. Oh, my. After receiving the grade and starts to talk to the mom, saying, I can't believe this professor yeah. gave me this grade. The mom says, put the professor on the phone. Oh, no. no. And they're, they're thinking this is all okay. And so the, the, the young person hands the phone to the professor oh, and says, goodness. my mom wants to talk to you about oh, my, my grade. Word. The professor rightly says, I can't talk to you about your son's grade. It's illegal. <laughs> right. This isn't high school. And he didn't earn a higher grade. That's the grade he earned. And boom. But mm. I was floored. Well, I have a friend that's a human resources director, and she said that she was interviewing on the phone a kid that after college, and she stopped in the middle of the conversation and said, what's that noise on the line? It was his father on the line with him. Uh, on an interview, on a phone interview. And and she was like, I don't really know what you think about that, except you are you are not getting the offer just because of that. And she said to the father, this kid should be able to do this on his own. You you know, have you thought about the message you're sending to him wow. by you even being on it? And, and that underlying message is something we would never say to our kids because what they hear is you can't do it. You can't do this on your own. I know how to do it better. I'll do it better. You know, all these things that you'd never want your kid to think. Well, yeah, let's reel it in a little bit okay. because the reality is parents do know how to do it better because they have life experience. Right. They have years of experience. Yeah. So I understand that rationalization, uh, but talk about how parents uh, are kind of, even with the examples we just used, but how are parents not seeing through that and crippling their children 
their young adult children into uh, a disaster. Yeah, it's uh, it's like atrophy. If you don't use a muscle, then a muscle isn't going to function. In Great Britain, they've started putting knee pads on the babies when they're toddlers because they don't want their knees to be skinned up because it is terrible when you're kids. You know, remember back when they're two and somehow <laughs> the ground reaches up trips them, they fall, they have those horrible skin knees, and then you take a bath, it's, it's horrible, you know? And so why not avoid that by putting knee pads on them? But the problem is, is that the tendons don't grow correctly with the knee pads on. So that's just a very tiny example where we would all go, I would never do that. But fast forward a little bit ahead. Are you preparing the backpack before it goes to school? Are you checking every bit on the homework to make sure they get 100? Because if they don't get 100, they're going to see the kid next to them who has 100 and make them feel bad about themselves. So the emotional knee pads. I guess so. But the truth of the matter is everyone is doing it. And so what do you not you know, hire someone to fill out your kid's SAT application because somebody else is doing it. And and there goes this fear. If I don't do it for them, then they will be left out. They won't be successful. All these things that we think they should be. And so we do what society is seemingly grooming us to think. We go do it for them. Mm. And we, we avoid failure. And that's another big one, Jim, because in the preparing, you know, because we can do it faster, we can do it better. They never are allowed to fail, and there's so much to learn in, in failing. Well, I so appreciate Kay's insights. And Danny, somebody is listening, and the light bulb just went off, and they're thinking, uh-oh, I spoiled my child. That's what I did. What do I do now? So what's your encouragement or advice? Well, John, these are true words from Kay about the entitlement mentality. And it's just it can be very damaging to a child and not very loving. So really, you start off with putting boundaries in place because uh, spoiling a child is not loving. I mean, think of the word. When you have spoiled food, it's just not good food. And so if you have a spoiled child, it's just not going to turn out well. And so first, figure out your fears as a parent. What, why have you decided to protect your child from everything, from their mistakes, from failure, uh, from disappointment, from very important feelings? That's a good place to start because... Uh, your child wants to feel loved, and many times being loved means when you fail, somebody still loves you. When you make a mistake, somebody's there to guide and support you as you figure out how to, how to do that better, and you, you're strengthened by it. You become more resilient. Mm -hmm. That's what you're wanting to create in your child. So I'd encourage you to figure out your fears first, and then figure out what would it look like to be loving to my child? What do they need to learn and what boundaries do I need to put in place? Write those down and then be consistent with those, especially when your fears show up and tell you, no, 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 no. You want your child to be happy. Say to yourself, no, I want my child to grow and I want my child to be healthy, mm -hmm. not necessarily happy. Yeah, because the happiness can come, but it not can. if they're not healthy. Right. So, yes. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that perspective. And, and Danny, I'd like to ask you just real quick to speak to the counseling team we have here and what a terrific resource they mm -hmm. are for parents who might feel stuck, confused, hurt, ashamed. Uh, you were part of that team before you stepped into this leadership role. Uh, these are some great people mm -hmm. uh, with big hearts. Yeah, a great group of professionals with a lot of wisdom and desire to serve whoever calls with whatever need they have and get a wide range of calls and as a team, I know that each one individually spends the time and, and pays close attention to what is going on in the, in the person or the caller's life 
and then gives practical tools and then the next steps, very mm-hmm. practical next steps after the call. For 11 years, I got to serve on that team. Yeah. And I mean, you may be surprised with the range of calls we get, yet we would take as long as we needed to with each case and just know that each of these counselors have a heart to serve and to help you when you call, they'll be ready for you. Well, if you're struggling with regard to this entitlement mentality that we've talked about today, because, oops, you're guilty of doing that. Uh, If you feel like it's too late, it's not, but we want to help, and we can't help if you don't call, so please do call. 800, the letter A in the word family. Those counselors, uh, as Danny said, they're terrific, and we'll set up a time for one of them to give you a call back. 800 232-6459. And certainly we would uh, encourage you to get a copy of the book by Kay Wyma from us. It's called Cleaning House, a mom's 12-month experiment to rid her home of youth entitlement. Uh, The details are in the show notes. We'd ask that you donate uh, to the ministry as you can, and we'll send that book out to you. Next time, Allison Bakke shares a pretty powerful acronym for parents whose child is struggling with an addiction. I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, thanks for listening today to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.